Our goal is to daily open the Bible and to listen to the teaching of our Heavenly Father as He speaks to us, not just about eternity, but also about life. Dave Wurtson begins our discussion today with an experience we have all had. Remember a time when you were dying of thirst? You desperately longed for a glass of water? Remember the satisfaction when you finally obtained that ice-cold glass of water? Did you know that God's Word compares the celebration of marital intercourse to this sweet kind of refreshment and satisfaction? Here's Dave. When I was a kid playing ball, I used to go about 6 o'clock in the morning and sometimes like an idiot I would go all day long and I wouldn't drink any water. And I can remember just stumbling home about a mile and in, in our, we used to have one of those old-fashioned faucets. You know one of those old jobs, you know, with a big can on the top? And I remember as a little kid about 10 years old, I'd run in there and I'd turn it on and I'd let it run. Because up where I was raised, if you let it run, it would get cold. And then I would take and I would cut my hands like that and I would drink. And I'd just sit there with my head down the sink. And that was one of the greatest feelings in all the world until I got married. And that's what Proverbs 5 is telling. Proverbs 5 is saying that the reason you shouldn't get involved with an immoral woman is that God has the good times in the sexual area ahead with the woman that you make a promise to, with the woman that will still be beside you in the morning and the next morning and the next morning and the next morning because you've decided to build a home together and a household together. And what Proverbs is saying to every one of you young men and women, he's saying, rejoice in marital sexual love, not in illicit, selfish lust. It says that your wife will be like this refreshing fountain of water. And husbands today, if you have a believing wife who was taught that kind of teaching and she saved herself for you until it was the time to get married, and maybe it was rugged for a time, but the Lord was able to work and you were able to learn. You need to thank God today. Husbands, you need to be erotic with your wives. Proverbs is erotic. Holy eroticism is needed in God's family to rob Satan from the terrible lie that he tells all of our young people and most of our society that if you've ever followed God, you walked away from all sexual fulfillment. If you follow Hollywood, if you follow the dawn of righteous of the world, that's where you're going to really find it. And then Satan rips your career right out, of your, right out from underneath you. Drink water from your own cistern. If you've got a refreshing, flowing cistern today, a place of refreshment, thank God for it. It says to you, husbands, why should your springs overflow in the streets? Why should they be streams of water in the public squares? Now it talks to you men. It says to every one of you men here, why should your reproductive abilities, what the Hebrew is really talking about here, is why should your reproductive fluids be like dirty water that's just thrown out on the street? Where I was raised back east, when it snowed in the wintertime, you'd have a beautiful white carpet for about five minutes. And then we had black slush. And it would flow in the streets. Some of my earliest memories of was putting on my boots and just tromping from one muddy slush puddle to the next. My mother loved it. 
But I know what running muddy water in the streets is about. It's an ugly metaphor compared to the beautiful, fresh cistern that we had in the previous verse. You know what it's talking about? It's talking about fellas who go out into the streets like two guys when Mary and I were on Oahu walking on Waikiki Beach. There were three young fellas that were walking down the main drag of Waikiki. Three girls come out dressed like you know what. They invite the guys to come in. Come on in here. Come on in here. We've got great things to show you. And then there's an, there's an old dirty back room back there. That's the way life is. Young men, you will face that choice. When I was in high school, you went down to Fort Lauderdale and in college and there'd be a hundred, there'd be 300,000 people, college students from all over the country. And you saw nothing but flesh. And what it was, the weekend was devoted to two things. Beer and sex. You could see it right on the beach if you wanted to. And everybody was doing it. That's what they said. I want you to know not everybody was doing it. There's a whole lot of kids who made other decisions, other choices. And you know what the choice they made? Not to throw their reproductive fluids in the street. You say, why shouldn't I do that? Because with all of our contraceptive methods, there's an awful lot of illegitimate babies being born. And the odds in our church family aren't any better than they are in the public sector. We've got to be honest. And you make a choice, and I make a choice. I make a choice today, what I'm going to live for. And I want to share with you why you don't throw your waters in the street why you don't do it with someone that you didn't make a promise to? Because little girls that are three need daddy's shoulders. And they need mommy's arms. And young people, if you're going to raise kids, it's one of the biggest responsibilities you'll ever get. I get up at 6 o'clock in the morning just about every day. And I went nine years to graduate school so that I could effectively teach, so that I have ability so that I'd be able to have a career. And I work hard. God in His grace provided so I could put a roof over four kids so they wouldn't have to worry about where their meals came from. So they could have a home where they could be able to say, Daddy's going to be home at night. You know why? Because kids need that. And you say, oh no, it's all fun. We can all do it. It isn't fun. Mom and Dad end up doing all the caring. And oh, I praise God for moms and dads that will be willing to do that. But let's tell the truth. That's not the way it really ought to be. And I don't care if every girl in the high school thinks it's really in to have a baby. It isn't in. You can't afford it. You're not ready for it emotionally. And there's nothing glorious about a Mother's Day when mom and dad are doing all the mothering. Now, if it happens, God can forgive. And once again, I come back. The cross is the healer of broken lives. But the cross is not the excuser. It doesn't say that we shouldn't talk about the way that it really ought to be. Do you understand what I'm saying? Young people, don't throw your reproductive fluids out in the street. Wait till you make some promises. And I'm not just talking about promises that you make to one another in the back seat of a car. I'm talking about promises you're willing to make before all your friends, before God, 
in the company of God's people. Because that's really what a promise ought to be in a marriage. And a girl ought to be able to look back on a life. She ought to be able to look back to a ceremony all of her life and rejoice in that promise. All you need to look at is at the streets of Saigon today to know that dirty water thrown in the streets does not produce happiness. And I know in all the Hollywood films you go to, the GIs, you know, sleep around, and that's what everybody does. And you kids are going to go away to different schools, and that's what everyone's going to be doing. But I want to really nail it down. I don't want you ever to say, well, I went to church all my life, and nobody ever told me like it was. You're going to ruin Mother's Day. You're going to ruin Mother's Day if you're not pure. Because there's nothing beautiful about Mother's Day on the streets of Saigon today with kids that are kind of a cross between browns and whites and blacks and yellows. And they've got the earmarks of American GIs, but the American GIs aren't there anymore. And that's why Proverbs said so many years ago, don't throw your springs out on the street. It says instead, let them be yours alone. Let them be kept for your own private pleasure with the one woman that God gives to you. It says in verse 18, may your fountain be blessed. May you be happy in your sexual desires and may you be intoxicated with the wife of your youth. That you do the word, may you be just captured by her. You know, all through the word of God, it always tells all of you all to be self-controlled. Keep yourself under control. Be disciplined. The only time the word of God tells you that you really need to lose it, you need to just be totally drunk, is in the sexual relationship. God is saying to you that you can celebrate in marital sexual love. You can be intoxicated by it. Use a very strong word for that. It talks about the, this word is usually used in Proverbs of a man who's intoxicated by drink. But here it's used in a totally moral, beautiful sense of the intoxication of marital sexual love. It says in verse 19, a loving doe and a graceful deer. The words here should be like a very a lovely deer and a very graceful mountain goat. Notice it doesn't say a lovely, a lovely bear and a delicate she-wolf. It uses the symbolism of a deer and of this very delicate mountain goat, maybe a shamoi that's very delicate in Israel and is up in the high peaks like up at Mount Carmel that has beautiful, delicate hair. And what it's saying is that the beautiful grace that a female deer will have and the beautiful delicacy and the fineness and the sharp, brilliant black eyes that this wild mountain goat has becomes a metaphor of the beauty of the wife that God gave you. And then it's very erotic and it says, May her breast satisfy you always. May you ever be captivated by her love. I can't even go further. I can't even really tell you exactly what the Hebrew text is stressing. But I can say that God, once again, isn't blushing. And God isn't afraid to talk about sexual relationships. And God is telling these young men and women, He's saying to God's children, He's saying that you need to enjoy. You need to be ravished. You need to be intoxicated in the sexual fulfillment that you have in your home. And He closes this section talking about marital sexual love by saying, why should you ever embrace a foreigner? Why should you ever go outside your home when sexual fulfillment's to be found with that precious wife that God gave to you? Men, 
John MacArthur, in a message I heard recently, warned about a terrible deception. You know what that deception is? One, there's some of you men that are convinced Miss Perfect is out there. And you're always looking out there. Since you were an adolescent, you have an idealized version of woman. And you sneak the magazines, you look at the movies late at night, and Miss Perfect is out there. And I want to share with you from the bottom of my heart, that is Satan's lie. She's not out there. And the second lie he tells is that stolen water is sweet. In other words, what is legitimately yours, don't really enjoy that. You need to enjoy what is stolen. And so you look around. And I want to share with you that those are the biggest lies that you could ever be told. What the book of Proverbs is saying, it's saying that Mother's Day begins in the enrapturement, in the intoxication of marital sexual love. Young people, if you come to me and say, does God have anything to do with sex or is it all Satan's game? And I hope you get the point loud and clear. God created sex. And he says that sex is a holy, sacred, pure thing. It's the beginning of Mother's Day many times. And because it's so special, because it's so sacred, because it's so holy, he says it only needs to be engaged in with the partner that you made a promise to, to live together for a lifetime. In other words, a marriage partner. If you've got a woman who keeps her promises, if you've got a woman who's a believing woman that gives you sexual fulfillment, by the way, girls, don't ever bargain with sexuality. Don't ever say, if you're a good boy, then you can have it for two weeks, but if you're not, boy, that's going to be it for a month. That's sinful to do that. And yet that's the way many Satan works on married couples, to get them to bargain like that. And by the way, fellas, don't forget that this is saying that it needs to be a celebration. It's not just a selfish fulfillment of your own needs. It's a glorious mutual fulfillment of one another's needs. And if ever there was a day when believers need to stand up and tell the truth, it's today. I want you to get with it. It's about time some of you stood up and said, listen, I found life. I found the way it ought to be. I think it's really neat to be able to go home and sit at a table and know that I haven't slept around. If you've got problems with, if you've got problems with being able to trust people, I want to tell you from the bottom of my heart, if you have problems with giving, if you have problems with trust, I don't make a million and a half a year. I promise you. And I also want to promise you from the bottom of my heart that I haven't been immoral. And I want you to realize that it's still in. It still does fly. And I want you to pray for me. I don't say that lightly. And I don't say it pridefully. I say it by the grace of God. Sure I could have. So could you. But I haven't. And some of you haven't either. And some of you who have have been gloriously forgiven and you can return to the purity and to the holiness. We think it's glorious for a mother to be single, raising kids without even getting married. I don't think that's going to fly because I don't think that's what a family is. 
And I think we need to return to a day that I'm just trying to talk to you just straight, just as straight as I know how. Because we don't need political talk anymore. We need the truth about kept promises, marital enjoyment in the purity of the relationship where you both made a lifelong promise to one another. And how are you going to find a wife like this? You say, all right, young, young people, you say, where in the world am I going to be able to find someone like this? I want you to turn to two verses. As we close, I want you to turn, first of all, to Proverbs chapter 19, verse 14. Proverbs chapter 19, verse 14. It says, Houses and wealth are inherited from your parents, but a prudent wife is from the Lord. I want to say that again. Houses and wealth are inherited from your parents, but a prudent wife is from the Lord. You know, young people, some of your parents are wealthy. Not many of them, but some of them are. Your mom and dad, if they worked really hard, and they've got a pretty big bank account, when they die, they can leave you an inheritance. Or maybe even before you die, they can set you up in a house, they can give you a job. You know, See, parents can do that, right? Parents can give you wealth. But I want to share with every one of you kids, you know, parents can't give you a good wife. You know, marriage is always kind of a shot in the dark. In a way, it is. In fact, if every one of you that are older... They've been married for a long time. Did you really know what you were getting into when you got married? A lot of you didn't. A lot of you didn't spend a lot of time finding out about character. You hardly even thought about it. And yet as you look back over your life, you realize she was a gift from God. Now, some of you decided that she isn't. You need to reevaluate. What I'm saying is if you have a prudent wife today, What is a prudent wife? A wife that's chosen to live according to the book of Proverbs. A wife that's chosen to fear the Lord, to reverence the Lord. She's a gift from the Lord. And she should be honored today. She should be praised today. Because she's the most precious gift this side of eternity that you could ever receive. You can get wealth from mom and dad, but you can't have the insight. You can't have the wisdom unless it's graciously given you by the Lord to find a good wife. One more verse. Turn to chapter 18, verse 22. Some of you say, well, man, how do I find a wife like that? You know, do I just wait? Do I just get down on my knees and pray that she'll come home and and hope it all works out? Look at chapter 18, verse 22. It says, He who finds a wife finds what is good and receives favor from the Lord. Kim, you need to listen carefully to that. Wives are a gracious gift from the Lord, but they come to those who diligently look for them. Now, I want to share with this. You say, well, Dave, how do I do that? Well, we really need to start whole new traditions in our church family. And I want to share with you, you usually don't find prudent wives at a singles bar. Kids, I know you tell your mom and dad that's what everyone does. Very seldom are you going to find a keeper of promises at singles bars. You might, but probably not. You see, and kids, I want to share something with you. If you're wandering today, You see, as you sit here today and you're sitting here today because mom and dad make you come, you see, you're still not quite bigger than your dad. 
so your dad can still grab you by the arm and he can muscle you to church. And you've been coming to church for the last 16 years and you hate it. If that's where your heart is, let's be honest. Because I know that's what happens. If that's where your heart is, then there's a good chance that your heart will find someone else that's just like your heart. Rebellious. Wanting to do what you want to do. You see, we usually find what we are. I want to tell you something about your close relationships. You'll usually find what you really are. You see, it's almost amazing. Even at school, it already breaks down into the groups of kids. The freaks and the straights. You've got all different names for them. It changes from semester to semester. But you usually find what you really are. And he who finds a prudent wife finds a good thing. You know what the most important thing you can do to find that good thing? It's be a godly person deep inside. Not a person that just has the right words on their tongue, but a person who has the right life deep in their heart. And only Christ can do that. You see, only Christ can help us to be honest. Only Christ can help us to really be true. Christ died in the cross to forgive us. Some of you, as I've been talking to you today, you say, Dave, a lot of you do this. You say, you and Mary were brought up in another, you were brought up in zone four. Some of you are love me enough now, you're just honest with me, saying, you know, you all are really weird. You don't know what it's really like. You know, your parents were from that other, other kind of tradition. That's just not, you know, the way that normal people are. And what I want to share with you is God's principles and the gift of God's grace. It's not just for people raised in preachers' homes. They're really not. You all have the same Jesus that we do, and we all need to depend upon Him. And He can forgive us when we go astray. But one of the greatest graces that he gives us is the power not to go astray. And I've been trying to share with you today, I've been trying to maybe take one of our kids, maybe just one of our kids will listen. And when they're tempted to follow the wrong desire, maybe they won't. And maybe some moms and dads will nail down some value systems that you're really going to be committed to. Because you're all going to be tempted to go away from it. And what I want you to recapture today is that there's something very precious about biblical traditions. Now, the only way we can have this tradition is not by our self-righteousness and not by our discipline. I couldn't tell you that I've been morally pure because of my own strength. It's all because of the cross. It's all because of the power of the resurrection. And that's true in your own life. Even some of us that have failed in the group, God can forgive. And so every one of you through the cross can return and rejoice in the forgiveness and the cleanliness, in the purity, in the marvelous security of a godly marriage. What are my values going to be? And some of us need to really recommit ourselves to covenant loyalty. Keeping promises. Husbands, if you've got a wife that's maintained her promises to you, will you gather her in your arms today and say, Honey, thank you so much that you keep promises. 
if promises have been broken and yet there's been healing and there's been forgiveness, then can you gather one another in your arms and say, thank you so much that through the power of Christ, we've become the keeper of promises again. Kids, will you nail it down? What kind of a kid are you going to be? Don't sit there and say, oh, I would never do that. You might. There's a lot of kids that have sat and listened to messages just like this. But when the pressure was on, when the temptation was there, they gave in to the power of the evil one and not the power of Christ. And so let's all take heed. Let him who thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. Let's make a commitment to one another that in the midst of a society that wonders whether it's wrong to commit adultery, that we would be very clear on just like Chevrolet's apple pie hot dogs. It needs to be American once again to be pure, to be faithful, to keep promises.